how to use in-person events, Etsy, Shopify, and a great email marketing program to grow your brand. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. In today's episode, we're talking to a successful jewellery maker uh, who sells both online and in in in-person shows and who is, I guess, part of the circular economy, we could say, as he takes a waste product, basically, and turns it into desirable jewellery. We'll talk about how he creates the product. We'll talk about stock. We'll talk about running in-person events. We'll talk about how to tie that to your website and how to grow the sales across everything with emails and SEO. So there's a lot of great tips coming up in this one. Before we get into all of that and meet our guest, please do check out our sponsors. Getting an online business off the ground is not easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Clavio is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Clavio account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes, thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Doug Heifertz is the artist, owner and metalsmith at Lost and Forged, an upcycled jewellery business selling on Shopify, Etsy and at in-person shows. Founded in 2016, they now do six figures a year. Hello, Doug. Hi. Delighted to be here. Well, it's awesome to have you here. We don't we don't often showcase maker sellers. So um it's great to have a I guess an artisan on the show because I know a lot of our listeners are in that space. So we get to share, share a slightly more relevant story for them today. Um but before we get into all of that, how did you end up selling in e-commerce? I started making things. I needed sometime in the summer of 2016 or so, uh, I needed something to do with my hands. And I started bending things, uh, mostly silverware. And then I, I got more and more into what I was doing and making these crazy. Mostly I wanted to make cuff bracelets from forks. I had a roommate in college who made some very rough cuff bracelets from, from stainless steel forks from the from the university's uh, uh, cafeteria. <laughs> and I thought, maybe I'll try that. And then I also started seeing what other people were doing and was uh, became obsessed. I, everything I saw people making, I wanted to do and soon started having more and more of my own ideas. And I started posting these sort of crazy creations I was making. A lot, some, a lot of them were very rough, but interesting. I'd never seen anything like them, most, most of them. Started posting them on Facebook, just on my personal Facebook profile, and friends started asking where they could buy them. And I hadn't really thought about it, but I was already spending money on equipment, on tools, on, on materials. And I said, well, you know, why not try to sell some of these? And it wasn't long after that that I first started an Etsy shop, and by the next spring, 
uh, opened my my Shopify website. Oh, so it was literally just a, a hobby that demand naturally came to. So you went, oh, exactly. Etsy will make my life easier. Oh, I could run my own store. Right. And then at what point did you start doing the actual in-person shows? Because I think I assume that's a bit of a a bit of a leap of bravery. Yes. So first I did a few small local events. Somebody put together a house party for me and I was had my pieces at a few a couple of local, you know, one day or half day artisan market type events. And then I applied to a number of juried shows. Uh, they're sort of standardized applications in the U.S. And these are mostly two and three day art fairs. And I mostly didn't get in to them, but there was one local one about 40, you know, a city called Baltimore, major city, about 45 minutes from me. They have a really major summer festival and it's expensive. It's like uh, 700 US dollars to exhibit, but they have a, an emerging artist program. And they'll accept one emerging artist for each category, you know, so, so for pottery, or I applied for the jewelry category, and I became the emerging artist for that year, I was accepted. And otherwise, it, you know, if I had to pay $700 to exhibit, I'm sure I wouldn't have done it at that point. Now I would do it at that show without blinking an eye. But at the time, I needed, I needed it to be free or, or very low cost. And then I, at the show, first of all, my display was horrible. Um, but nonetheless, people were coming by and were so enthusiastic about what I was doing uh, that it really made a it made a very deep impact on me. And I suppose once you've done that one show, you've got a better idea of how to apply to the others, and you can presumably also put on the applications to the others that you were at the Baltimore show, and that adds a bit to persuade the jury to let you on. Sometimes, sometimes that's a factor. Mostly, they're just looking at. Mostly, they'll just put on their screen whether they're in person together or individually by Zoom or whatever, they just put the pictures of the work on the screen. And that's usually just, that is it. So it's usually a very wow. sort of stark process. Uh, but there are applications where they ask you what other shows you've done, but mostly it's, mostly that's, you know, quite down the list if they look at it at all. Well, so it's quite um, honest, I suppose, in a way, if the work is good and what fits for their show... You hope so. And of course, work being good is quite subjective, but yes. But the qu image quality, I mean, I still, you know, still after that, I still didn't, wasn't getting into most shows I applied to, but gradually I get into more and more. And um, yeah. And there we go. So I guess the, the fact that the shows can be quite hit or miss, you're not in control. You can't sit down in January and go, right, I'm going to do these shows. I'm definitely going to these shows. These are going to be the sales. Because someone, it's someone else's decision whether you're allowed to go or not. That makes the online side more important because that's that's a piece you're in control of. Absolutely. And I also certainly don't want to be going to a show every weekend. That would be horrible. <laughs> that just makes <laughs> that just makes my heart sink. Yeah, I guess there's there's a lot of goodness in the shows in terms of sales and uh. customer feedback and all of those good things. But um, but yeah, I know I I certainly. I certainly couldn't do more than one e-commerce show at a time. <laughs> and that's just chatting. It both fuels my enthusiasm and my inspiration, seeing, you know, the interaction with the customers, seeing seeing them interact with my work also, but it, it would also complete it could also completely deplete everything. My inventory, my enthusiasm. Yeah, the whole lot. We'll we'll 
we're going to shift onto the e-commerce side of the business in a moment and then probably end up talking about how the two interact with each other. But before we do that, for anyone listening who's going, oh, I reckon there could be an opportunity for my business and my products at such shows. Any tips for anyone who's who's thinking of going to their first show this year? So many. Um, okay, start small. Do something that's low commitment. If you don't have a name for your business, that's that's okay. You just want to see people interact with your with your work. And this is a great way to. This is also just a great way to test your products. Are your products of interest to people? To whom are they going to be of interest? Um, some people know all of that, but if you don't, this is a great way to find out. It's not a big deal if if you don't have your. If it's a small event, it's not that big a deal if you don't have your business name solidified. You don't have a legal entity or structure. Those are all fine, especially for a for a smaller show. You know, you don't, your display isn't great. Like these are things that take work that will get better over time, but just do it uh, because you learn so much about your products, about how people interact with them by, by seeing them and by talking to people as, as they're doing it. Um, so first, you know, just do it. Try, eventually try to make your booth a place where you really let your booth, your display, a place that you really like being, a place that is going to be your own stage in, in a sense. Uh, but the, and that's going to be fun and and comfortable for you. Third, try to can if you're everybody here is also focused on e, is primarily focused on e-commerce on this show. So try to work to deliberately connect your booth and what you do at a show to your online presence uh, through a consistent brand, things that you say, colors, you know, display colors that connect to your to your brand colors. Fourth, get people to sign up for your email list there in person fifth or or four b like four b or five depending on how we count it think carefully about whether or not you give out a business card i do something which most people probably aren't going to be willing to do which is that i do not have business cards anywhere in my booth um not because i don't like business business cards have a purpose i if somebody places an order i send a couple business cards with every order um there are a time and a place for business cards. And for me, that time and place is not in my booth because I always ask people to sign up for my email list. And the dynamic of that ask becomes much worse if I'm giving out a business card. If I'm giving out a business card, I say, oh, I know how to reach you. But when they ask for a business card and I say, oh, if you want to reach me, the best way to do that, if you want to know how to reach me, the best way to do that is sign up here. You're also going to get 15% off everything here today and you'll know how to reach me. You'll know what I have coming up. Then by asking them to sign up, I'm being responsive to their need. Otherwise, if I give them a business card and I also ask them to sign up, it's, it becomes it ends up feeling like I'm asking them to do me a favor. Oh, totally. I think that's that's brilliant advice because I know I've been to a few of these types of events over the years, mm -hmm. and I've just grabbed the flyer mm -hmm. when this, you know, and then then that flyer just ends up in the bag, and then it mm -hmm. probably ends up in the recycling about two or three days right. later which is right. of no benefit at all. In fact, it's, it's purely a cost to you, the stool holder. Yeah. Whereas if they're willing to stick around to ask, to give you that, to talk to you about the product, it becomes a much more useful interaction for you. That's exactly right. And, you know, business, I mean, sometimes people have a business card and will follow up with me. Great. But all the better if I can follow up with them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You want to be in control because... Right. Because you're there to make money with the sales, but the bonus factor is those email signups so you get the, the further sales down the line. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, Doug, let's talk um, e-commerce specific for a few minutes then. Um, so where in the world are you based and where do your website sell to? I am based in the United States. I am in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, a suburb of Washington, D.C. Uh, I sell 
at in-person events, mostly within uh, an hour and a half drive of me, but not okay. I do occasionally travel to events. And I sell online through my website, through my online store website, which is based on Shopify. And it's lostandforged.com. I also have an Etsy shop. And uh, yeah, those are the, and, you know, I have social media presence too. So Doug, with your Etsy site and your Shopify store, are you selling just to the US or are you selling globally? Globally. I would say about two thirds of my customers of my orders are in, in the United States and one third overseas with probably about half of those being UK and, and the other half being elsewhere. Very nice. And tell us a bit more about the product, because I feel like we've kind of ignored the product a bit so far, which is kind of crazy. Um, How could we ignore my product? No. I know, exactly. Um, so to tell us a bit a bit more about, about how it evolved from seeing what it's turned into now after you know seeing bent forks all those years ago. They're still bent forks, um, but they are... Uh, they're, no, I still make my work mostly from antique, vintage, reclaimed silverware, old forks, spoons, butter knives, things like that. I use a huge variety of, of ones that are you know, sterling silver, silver plate, gold tone, silver tone. Uh, but I, and I set gemstones, I engrave them. So I use, you know, the, the range of metalsmith techniques that I use to create my pieces has greatly changed. The number of the, the types of pieces I offer has, has grown by quite a bit. Sometimes I think I offer too many, um, too many designs. Uh, I also use some materials that are not silverware. Like I make, uh, a collection of jewelry pieces from salvaged fender trim from old Harley Davidson motorcycles, uh, and occasionally other reclaimed metal objects also. And it's not only, it's mostly jewelry, but not only jewelry, there's some little sculptures and home decor pieces and other kinds of personal accessories that I make also. So I'm assuming based on your, your raw materials mm-hmm. that your almost every piece is unique. That must be quite hard to manage in an online scenario. Easy to manage at the shows because once it's sold, it's sold. But for the website and Etsy, that must be more difficult. Yes and no. Um, it's an interesting question. Since each piece is made by hand, each one is going to be a little different. But in my mind, it falls basically into the same design. So my online work is basically made to order. So I'll have a, I'll have pictures of the piece. I will have probably made it many times and people order based on the pictures and then I create it and, and it makes it easy for them to order whatever size they need um, and certain types of basic customization, even without my considering it a custom order, certain kinds of customization that happens with almost every piece sizing, sometimes engraving on the inside. Uh, these are customization I can do very easily with the same design. Certain things about it might be a little different, like it might be a different pattern of of fork like let's say, let's say it is a fork bracelet or, or a spoon ring there might be a few details that are a little bit different but basically i'm going to make it to look like those pictures and then i also offer a 45 day uh, money back guarantee if they you know if they don't like it and i don't offer that at shows because they've um, seen it <laughs> they've seen it they've had a chance to try it on to, you know um they know exactly what they're getting whereas online there's going to be some little variations so if it's not exactly what they want they can they can return it to me. And the advantage is that I can have many products and I don't have to stock them all. I stock the, the materials. 
um, the disadvantage is that sometimes there will be things still on my website that I bear, you know, that I have to, that I haven't made for quite a while. And I may be out of practice at making at making those things because I can have all these items on my website available to order because I only need the photographs and the basic materials. Yeah, I was going to, my next question was going to be that must make stock a bit easier because you don't have to have it sat on the shelf ready to post. You just have to have a fork or a spoon or a knife. That's right. Makes life a lot more simple, I guess. Apart from at Christmas time, where <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when the orders That's start right. coming in fast. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. Uh, and what does your team look like? Are you are you managing the whole of this yourself, Doug, or have you got other makers or other marketers? Pretty much, I have a, a I have a marketing assistant who is in Hawaii. She used to be closer to my. She used to be more. In, in my region. Uh, and she works usually about four to six hours a week for me. Online marketing, I'll have her set up blog posts. Uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll have her draft blog posts. I have her do almost all my social media or the vast majority of my social media, all of my Instagram stories. She does all kinds of great stuff for me. She's su super helpful. Excellent. Oh, and around last year for the first time at holiday time, I had somebody making, I have a Christmas ornament that was a big hit for my in-person holiday market. And I had, I trained somebody to make this ornament. Uh, and it was a new experience for me to actually train somebody to make one of my pieces. And so that was, that was great. And I'm hoping that he'll come back this year. Uh, I have to start, I have to start working on it because this year I want to get, start getting them made over the summer. That must be kind of cool when you have something, finally have a product that you can put into a production process that is just there in boxes to sell. Right. So I, I made training videos. I, you know, it took a, it's not just me sitting in my workshop, you know, messing around till I know how to make it, but figuring out how to communicate it to somebody else. Very cool. Um, and from day one, you know, cause you, you set up the business a few years ago when there was less talk about sustainability and, and how we'd, you know, a lot less talk about sustainability and net zero and the importance of upcycling and reusing and all this stuff we talk about a lot mm -hmm. now. Was that a, a key angle for the business in, on day one? Has it become something which people are appreciating in your products? Or is it still all about the aesthetic? It's both. And I think that's always been something that people have really appreciated about my, about my work. I want, you know, my goals are to, to show surprising transformations and to make upcycling irresistible. And people often, I think both are very meaningful to, to customers. I like that. Make upcycling irresistible. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very cool aim. I think maybe all of us could take that one on. Um, and of all the things which are going on in your business at the moment, what do you think is the most awesome of them all? I, I think the connection between the in-person and online is probably the thing that has evolved best. That people come to, you know, let's say maybe a third of the people on my email list, one third to maybe even a half on my email list find me at shows, but then they go online and see a presence that they recognize. Not only do they see me, they see, sometimes they'll see pictures of my booth from the shows, a brand that feels consistent. I think that's one of the greatest strengths about, about what I do. Yeah. I think from, from my perspective, I still find it quite surprising when I go to such events, how some of the stand holders just don't even seem to have registered that collecting an email address could be a good idea. Right. And I, I find that such a, 
a strange thing to do. You're putting all your eggs in those two or three days or half day, whatever it may be, and hoping that all your time and effort and investment pays off. And it just, it seems like such, such a narrow perspective. Is that the, the case in the States as well? Are you often amongst a lot of artisans who haven't done that data capture piece? Absolutely. I mean, I've seen artists have lengthy discussions about, you know, the need to hand out business cards, not to be repetitive on this point. And I, you know, I said, you know, they say, you never know when people might follow up with you. (laughs) And I said, that's great. They might. Wonderful. I hope they do. But there's such a better way to go here. You can follow up with them and you can do it in a way that's very programmatic, uh, you know, and that where they actually get, you know, within a day, a reminder that they've been there and, you know, a series of emails that gives them more background and then gives them a discount for their online order and hopefully uh, converts them from somebody who's interested in your work in person, whether they bought or not, to somebody who sort of feels connected with you constantly or, you know, regularly through your emails, through online interaction. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationship with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases, bringing you predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. You can get started today with the subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash masterplan. At the start of this episode, I mentioned Klaviyo. Well, here's an app that integrates with Klaviyo to level up your e-commerce store. Hear from Alexandria Collins from Princess Polly Boutique on how Gorgeous did just that for her. I am Alexandria Collins, Director of Customer Experience for Princess Polly. I'm focused on our strategy and innovation in the CX department here at Princess Polly. I have a quote and I always tell our CX leaders that customer experience is the heart of an organization and we pump the blood and deliver the oxygen to the vital organs in the business to help them thrive and grow stronger. The Gorgeous platform allows our agents a seamless place to just do it all. We are really there for the customer every step of the way if they want. Our customers expect quality and efficiency where they are. So the real question is, how do you get quality and efficiency across every single platform? And then once you have it, how do you maintain it? And I believe that with the Gorgeous platform, we can do that. If you're interested in learning more about Gorgeous, you can go to gorgeous.com and start a free trial today. It's time for the top tips round. Okay. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. Doug, you've already given us some some brilliant tips around email capture and branding at your events. Um, So are you ready for the top tips round? I'm ready. Excellent. Okay. Loving the enthusiasm. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? One book I found very thought provoking is Stoned. 
Jewelry, Obsession, and How Desire Shapes the World. And it's really especially oriented toward luxury products and how uh, scarcity has been deliberately created, cultivated to create demand for these things, something like diamonds or, or tulips, how these things were deliberately diamonds are not scarce as far as gemstones go uh, but they've been made scarce and uh, that's been a key part of 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 a marketing effort for really a far-reaching marketing effort that's lasted for generations to make them scarce and desirable Uh, that they're not inherently scarce they're not inherently desirable you know they're colorless and and in some way, arguably less pretty than other gemstones and, and not as scarce as other gemstones. And yet they've been made like the, the standard of scarcity and, and of, of precious uh, gemstones. Oh, it sounds like a really interesting one. I may well have to have a read of that myself. Um, okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Blogging has been uh, the main source of traffic to my website is SEO, search engine optimization for some of my key product categories. And the reason why I've risen in the blog rank in the SEO ranks is primarily because of blogging. I'm going to cheekily ask you for a bit more information on that. So how do you come up with different things to blog about when the products don't change? I think about what my customers ask me at shows. (laughs) Is a, is, is a big part of it. Uh, also what I get at, and then I, I also think of some questions that people ask me online that I wouldn't get in shows, you know, spoon ring sizing is, is often trickier or perceived to be trickier online than in person. In person, at least if somebody's buying a ring for themselves, they know how it fits. I resize them right there on the spot for customers. And I make that very, at shows, I make that very obvious, but what if they're buying online? How do they know what size to order? So I get asked that question a lot. And so, of course, I have blog posts about that. Um, so, so the customers always have the answer, basically, is what we're saying. <laughs> the customers know what blogs you need to be writing. Oh, absolutely. Those are basically my most successful blog posts. But anything I want to introduce to my, uh, to my online customers it calls for a blog post. So it, it doesn't have to be something they ask them. Like, basically, if I need a home for something on my website, if, if I need a place, if I'm sending my customers, if I'm going to send an email and I need to figure out where to send my customers, and the answer isn't obvious, that bas- that usually means I need to create a blog post for it. Um, if it's not a product, if, if it's a product that I want to send them to, then it's obvious. I send them to the product page. If it's a collection that I want to send them to, then I send them to the collection page. Uh, if it's something that's happened on my social media, I probably create a blog post about it. <laughs> Because frankly, I don't want, it's very hard for me to, or it takes a lot of work to drive traffic to someplace. And I really don't want to create, to do all this work to send them to a giant corporation's website where it does, where it barely even matters. I want to send them to a place where it matters for me. And that basically means sending them to my website uh, where the traffic matters, you know, builds up my SEO. They are more, much more likely to buy, to to spend more time there to get to know me, my work, my brand better and not to be distracted by a million other makers, a million other, God knows what we all get distracted by on, on social media. Excellent. I love that. That's two really good ways of creating more blog content and getting that SEO traffic coming in. Love it. Okay. I think we've reached the tool top tip now. So maybe this is a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? 
I can't say I'm particularly efficient, but one, <laughs> one tool I like is a Privy. Uh, I'm sure many people know it, but the, the reason why I like Privy, Privy runs the pop-up on my website, and I know it can do a lot more, but I mostly use it for, for the uh, email collecting pop-up. And one of the things that I like about it far more than other pop-ups is that it is so uh, versatile and adjustable in terms of how when it appears and when it doesn't. So anytime I send an email out, it I'm asking people to go to a particular page on my website that is linked to my email. And I try to make that the only thing that is linked to my email. Even if I may give five or six links to it, but it's all to the same place, all to the same page on my website. And I don't want them to get to my website and to see my generic pop-up asking for their email address because that just sounds... Uh, I, I don't even know the word for that. That's not, that would be anno- That would be very annoying mm-hmm. to me if I got an email and so I'm signed up for somebody's email list. And then I go to the website and the first thing I see is a pop up asking for my email. It's like they don't even haven't even paid attention to who I am. So I like for that pop up to not appear for those visitors. And Privy is so adjustable in terms of who it shows its the the pop up to and and of targeting that pop up. Excellent tip and excellent tool. Um, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Email your list often. Email your customer list. Email them often. Simple as that, isn't it? It's <laughs> such a powerful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, look, Doug, before we say goodbye, could you please remind the listeners where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? So my main home on the web is my website, which is both the blog, the online store, everything else. And that's at lostandforged.com. Sort of like lost and found, but forged metalwork. Lostandforged.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Lost and Forged also. And, 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 Etsy, and Etsy also. And I believe you've also got um, a special offer for the listeners. I do. So my, my best-selling items are all kinds of spoon rings, spoons and uh, rings that I make from the handles of silverware or sometimes from the whole silverware piece. Uh, they're really fun. I size each one to order and you can order any spoon ring on my website for 25% off using the discount code master plan. And that is good through, uh, August 7th of 2022. There we go, guys. So 25% off any spoon ring between now and August the 7th of 2022 on the Lost and Forged Shopify site. Use the code MASTERPLAN. And I am loving the uh, the urgency you've built into that promo there, Doug. <laughs> Top marks for that. Um, Thank you. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and being so generous sharing your experience with us. It's been lovely chatting with you. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So lots of great insight um, from Doug there, both around email marketing and what it takes to go to in-person shows and all the many things you can get out of them. Uh, Plus, you know, a great example of, I guess we could say the circular economy, taking old vintage spoons and turning them into desirable jewellery. To get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our new special director episode links. Just put ecmp.info forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you'll be redirected straight to the correct page. And yes, it's been set up for every single episode since 2015. That's when we started. 
Once you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things we share to help you improve your business. Thank you for tuning in to this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, then go and scroll up our episode list and pick another episode that takes your fancy. I'm sure you're going to learn something new. I bring you a new interview every single week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero. That means reducing your carbon usage, becoming more sustainable, all that good stuff. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and never forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.